the presentation that we just saw today and continue also in our sermon series on the living word where we are journeying through the Bible and we are seeing how the scriptures testify about Jesus. So they lead us to him. So they help us engage with Jesus in relationship that we may come to him for eternal life. And we're going to take a little bit of what the children and youth of Rooted and Unlimited presented to us today, some of the scriptures that they spoke about, presented and read to us, and look at Emmanuel, God with us. There's many of the scriptures that the the youth read this morning were considered messianic prophecies. They're simply prophecies about Jesus Christ that were written long before Jesus ever was born in Bethlehem. And there are many, many, many prophecies like this in the Old Testament. So many, in fact, that to fulfill all of them in one person is truly impossible. And just to give you an idea of what that means, of this impossibility for these prophecies to be fulfilled by one man, I just want to give you an illustration. And it was by a, a, a man. He, he's a professor of mathematics. His name is Peter Stoner. And he's well known for this area where he undertook this project to figure out what the possibility was for one man to fulfill these messianic prophecies. So he was a professor, and he gave his students this project. And he said, okay, out of the many, many different prophecies about Jesus, I'm going to pick eight of them. And I want you to start with those eight and figure out what the probability would be for one person to just fulfill eight of these. So they just took, they started with one, and, to, and they tried to see what it would take, what the odds would be for just one of these prophecies and the specific conditions of these prophecies to be fulfilled. For example, that we, re- we saw today that this person would be born in Bethlehem, in the right Bethlehem. There's two Bethlehems, and this was the one in Judah. Yeah? Or that Jesus or this Messiah would be riding in on a donkey into Jerusalem. Or that this Messiah would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. They're very specific, okay, these prophecies. And so they took all these and they concluded that for one person to fulfill these eight specific prophecies that they identified would be one out of 10 to the 17th power, okay? That means 10 with 17 zeros on the end. I'm not a big math guy, so that number means nothing to me. I just know it has a lot of number of zeros behind it. So thankfully, he gave this illustration of, he said, okay, let's say we take coins of this number, 10 to the 17th power. That's trillions of coins. And let's say we take these coins, and he used a silver dollar coin. He's an American scientist, so he had American analogies. So this silver dollar coin is a little bit bigger than a 501 coin, about 11 to 12 millimeters bigger. And he said, 
go ahead and fill up the state of Texas, which is the biggest, one of the biggest states in America, and it's about seven times bigger than South Korea, okay? So it's quite big, huh? And he said, if you filled up all of Texas, you would, it would be about two feet deep, about a half meter deep, okay? That's, that's a lot of coins. And before you did that, you took one of these coins and you put a black X on it and you buried it somewhere randomly in the state of Texas amongst all these coins. And then you take a blind person, an actual blind person, and have him walk all of Texas and randomly, at any time he wanted, to reach down and pull out a coin. And the odds of him pulling out the marked coin with an X would be the odds of one person fulfilling just eight prophecies in the Bible. Isn't that incredible? But Jesus didn't just fulfill just eight prophecies. He fulfilled 300. 300. This guy, Peter Stoner, he said, okay, let's go a little bit further. Instead of eight, let's identify 48 out of the 300. Okay? 48 out of the 300. What would the probability be then? Well, that number is even more astronomical. It's 10 to the 157th power. Again, that's a, I had a lot of trouble writing those zeros. It was a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. A lot of zeros. Okay, 157 zeros behind it. Again, that means nothing to me. It's just a lot of zeros. Just to give you an, a comparison, scientists have calculated the known atoms in the entire universe are 10 to the 80th power. 10 with 80 zeros behind it. That's not just, you know what an atom is? It's one of the smallest elements that we know of. I know it can probably go smaller, but that's small. 10 to the 80th power. Not in just our world, our earth, not in just our solar system or our galaxy. The entire known universe doesn't even have the number of atoms to hold the number of probability for one person to fulfill all of the prophecies that have been said about the Messiah. Isn't that incredible? And so these messianic prophecies, without a shadow of doubt, prove and testify that Jesus is the foretold Messiah. But that's not all. That's not all. As impressive and mind-blowing as that is, that's not even the beginning of what the purpose of prophecies are. It's so much bigger than that. And it's obvious by just looking and listening to this that this is not a natural outcome. This is truly a supernatural intervention by God. Did you know the things that are impossible for us is not impossible for him? No matter what the odds are, God is greater than odds and chances. Because when he has a purpose, it doesn't matter how impossible that purpose may be. He will fulfill it. And that's who he is. So we're going to talk about 
what these numbers mean and what the prophecies really mean because it's, there's such a, a greater purpose to them. So that brings us to our first point on your sermon notes, and it's that is prophecies reveal God's eternal plan. Prophecies reveal God's eternal plan. And we need to define eternal, okay? The difference between eternal and everlasting. If you've been coming to the nations for a little bit, you may have heard me talk about this. Everlasting, something that's existed now and then will last forever, right? Here's the difference between everlasting and eternal. Eternal is something that existed before time began and will exist after time ends. In fact, something or someone who is eternal has no beginning and has no end. And prophecies, my friends, reveal to us God's eternal plan that he's had before time even began. Let's read this first prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6 again that Unlimited brought to us. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. If you just write that out and don't even put Isaiah 9, 6 on it and just write out those words and you give it to just about anybody and just ask, who is this person talking about? Most people will probably say, I think this is talking about Jesus. Yeah? But if you tell them that this is actually written way before even Jesus was born, that's where things get a little bit interesting. Yeah? And this prophecy is showing to us that this child, this Messiah that's going to be born, is not going to be like any other child born in this world. This child is not even just a special child. This child is wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. This prophecy is revealing to us that this child that's going to be born in creation is the creator, God himself. When we sometimes talk about God creating in the beginning, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. We kind of maybe imagine God speaking forth light, shaping the mountains, forming the skies. But did you ever know that Jesus is right there? <laughs> Not just sitting there and saying, oh, God, you're doing a wonderful job. No, the Bible tells us that Jesus was the very person that God created everything through. Let's read that. It says in John chapter 1, 3, all things were made Through him, speaking about Jesus. And without him, Jesus was not anything made that was made. Things that we could see and the things that we cannot see were made through Jesus. It says in Colossians chapter 1, For by him, Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible And invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him 
all things hold together. This is what it means for Jesus to be the word of God. He is the central force, power, entity of all life. And everything that was made was made through Jesus. And remember when I said that eternal means something or someone that existed before time. Well, Jesus existed before time. Not only that, my friends, Jesus, listen closely, Jesus was God's plan of salvation before time ever began. Did you hear me? Jesus was God's plan of salvation before time even began. Listen to this, brothers and sisters and my friends. In Revelations 13.8, my brother Patrick, he, he spoke of this last week. And I just wanted to highlight it. It's such a powerful revelation. It says, And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. Revelations is the last book of the Bible. And oftentimes it's speaking of things to come amongst other things. And so it says that all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belong to the Lamb, Jesus, who was slaughtered before the world was ever made. Listen to this in 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 through 20. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. This empty life is your sin-filled life that you were born into, that you inherited from Adam. Okay? And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious Blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. God chose Jesus as your ransom long before the world began. I want you to listen with your spirit because these things with our natural mind is impossible. For us to understand. Could God have known that we were going to disobey him, sin against him, reject him, rebel against him, and choose Satan's side instead of his side? Could he have known that and still created us anyways? I believe so. I believe so. Because the Bible said so. In fact, God, even though he works in time, he is above time. Because he is eternal. And this reason for God creating us, even though he knows this, reveals to you and I his nature of love. You see, God is the definition of a love that has no conditions. He did not create us on the condition that we were going to be perfect and accept him regardless. He did not create us with that condition. He created us because he wanted to, because he did so, because he is love. 
And that's what the nature of love does. And he went as far as risking all of eternity and sacrificing his own very life so that we would then never lose relationship with him again through Jesus Christ. My dear friends, that is the gospel because we couldn't do it. We've been seeing through this series that no matter even if we had the perfect law of God, we could not do it. And so God in his eternal love set Jesus as our plan of salvation before the foundation of the earth ever existed. And he did that not because he needed anything from us, but because he is the God who is love. And when you see the prophecies, these 300 plus prophecies about the Messiah, this is what I want you to hear and see. Not just impossibility. Yes, that's true, because God can do anything that's impossible. But his love for you, who he is and how he relentlessly pursues each and every one of us because he loves you. He sent his son to die, to bring you into relationship and that you will never be out of relationship with him ever again. But that's only true in Jesus Christ. Praise God. As he is sharing with us what the purpose of of everything that he's written here in his Bible, this library of 66 different books written by 40 different people of all different places and times over the span of 1,500 years, all testifying about Jesus, who's the expression of God's very love for us. Our second point that we're going to wrap up with is Jesus proves that God has been and is always with us. And that's what we heard today, the very name of Jesus. In Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus was the very proof that God has never left us. Even though we left him, even though we rejected him, he has never left us. It's not just Jesus never left us since he was born and he's always been with us then. Since then, no, he has always been with us. Always. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John 1, 14. See, Jesus was the very expression of God's glory. And God's glory isn't just this bright light that we see and we're like, oh, that's so bright. That's not God's glory. God's glory 
is the outward, visible expression of his inward heart and nature and character. Jesus is, shows us here, if we see Jesus, we've seen God's glory. We've seen his character of unfailing love. We see his perfect goodness. We see his grace. We see his faithfulness. That's who Jesus is when we know him. We get to see God's glory. And Jesus was, was with, as we saw here so beautifully presented to us, Jesus was with us throughout human history. Since the beginning of the world, since creation, Jesus was with us. He was interacting with mankind. He was inviting people into relationship with him. And he was touching people with his transforming love. And when God touches you, when he touches you, you change. Your life changes. Jesus has always been with us since the very beginning of human history, but that's not all. He's been with you throughout your entire history. He's always been with you. He has never left you. And I want you to think about this. He's been present in your life in the wonderful moments and in the most terrible moments. In the places of great joy and celebration, but also in the places of pain and anguish and shame and sin, terror, and the most horrible things that we have done and the things that have horrible things that have happened to us. And if you open your heart to truly receive that truth that God has been with you and that he's been present with you that will change your life. It's not just God standing when horrible things have happened and he's standing there and just saying, oh, okay, I've been there. If that's your idea of God being somewhere around you but not helplessly not doing anything or not wanting to do anything, then that's the wrong concept of God. Okay? You've been deceived with the long, wrong co- concept of God of being somebody who is passive. Maybe things are bad happening to you, but he doesn't care. That's wrong. Because if you understand the presence of God... The presence of God, my friends, when you have a revelation and you are, the eyes of your heart are open to his presence, it is life-giving and life-changing. You see, God is greater than anything that we have done or the things that have been done to us. He is greater than our sins or the sins that have been committed against us. He is greater. And when you come into his presence and you have a revelation of his presence in your life, through the bad and the good, his presence will save you and will deliver you and give you 
life. You see, Hebrews 7, 25 says that he will save you to the uttermost. To the uttermost. There is nothing that you have done and there is nothing that has been done to you that God is limited by. No, he has risked all of eternity and he has given up his own life to save you. And if you can hear these words brought to us today, it will do just that for your life. Because he is relentless in coming to convince you that nothing could ever separate you from his love. Neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And if you know this, my dear friends, then you will know. You will know that God causes all things, good and bad things, to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. But we need this knowing. We need this knowing of God's presence in the whole of our life. You see, we said God is eternal. So just because it's the past for you, it doesn't matter for him. You know he's present in your past? You know he's present in your present? And do you know he's present in your future? (laughs) This is the God that you call Father. Or you can if you're not, if you don't know him as Father. If you don't know Jesus and he's not your Savior. Through him, we call him Father. Call him Dad. We come to him and say, Dad, this is what happened in my past. Can you help me? This is what I'm worried about my future. Can you help me? This is what's going on right now. Can you help me? And the answer is always yes. (laughs) This is what God loves to do. He loves to save. And he saves us to the uttermost. Through Jesus, God reveals his eternal plan of salvation that existed before you were born before the creation of the world so that you can live with him forever. So a few questions for us to listen to and respond as we have in this series. And these questions are for us to take into prayer here in a minute and respond to him as Father, as God. The first question is simple. Do you believe Jesus has always been with you? Okay, Just don't think with your mind. 
Let the Spirit of God open your heart. Do you believe Jesus has always been with you? The second one is related to to that. Is there a time in your life that you believe you were separated from God's loving presence? Is there a time in your life, in your heart, you believed you were separated from God's loving presence? Then, would you then be open for God to then show you the truth? Because He is truth. He will show it to you if you're willing. Lastly, do you love Jesus? So important. Do you love Jesus? If you don't know Jesus, you can know Him today. Today, you can know Him. And you know His love, and you can love Him with his love. And if you, if you do love Jesus, then do you also believe he is calling, excuse me, he is causing all things to work together for his good purpose in your life? Okay? Because that's what the scriptures say. That God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you believe this? And that is the centrality of everything that we are as people, as believers, is do we believe what God says? It's as simple as that.